81 of the Hibs Ramble, quiet one tonight, just me and Mark. Mark, welcome back, mate. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Nice to make a rare Ramble appearance. feel like um, Ryan has well and truly taken my spot. Fair enough, the superior anal- analyst, superior podcaster, so it's all good. Bye. Good to be here. Yeah, you're not going to get, what was the stuff that Ryan was talking about Monday? Uh, Tuesday, sorry, like XG and against and for him, progressing, progression through the 44 is 63 yard line or whatever, almost won the NFL there. I get it, um, I get it. A lot of people are into that type of stuff. It's not really for me or that XG pish. I just, I prefer just talking about goals and limbs. <laughs> yeah, well, goals and limbs, we both, we both experienced that last night, obviously at Tynecastle. Uh, one old draw against Hearts. I think <clears throat> just talking about the result before we go into it, Mark, me, Liam and Ryan spoke on Tuesday about how it was not so much a must win, but more of a must not lose. But I don't know how you felt coming out the ground last night, but I certainly felt like it was two points dropped uh, rather than a point gained. Definitely. I think, do you know, it's it's almost built into being a Hibs fan because our record at Tyncastle, you never ever go there or very rarely go there expecting to win. So often before the game, you'll say, do you know what, I'd take a point tonight. But you're right. I think the way that we played, obviously I know we'll talk about the penalty, but that decision, the way that we played, the chances that we created, definitely I felt at the end of the game I was disappointed rather than glad that we got a point. And um, and I think that's good. It's a good thing. Although it would have been even better if we got the three points, it's a good thing that we were disappointed to come away with a point because that just shows the level of performance because, um, like I said, certainly in the last few years, it's not been often where you're disappointed getting away for Tynecastle with a point. The only one I can remember is that one tail end uh, last season, or the last game of last season. Obviously, yeah. everyone was gutted, but, um, but it shows the progression we've made in the last few weeks. Yeah, I think it's, although we're disappointed with the point, it's not necessarily a disappointment with the performance. Um, because I think for the first time in a long time, at Tynecastle especially, that we actually came out the traps. Um, I did think, to be fair, to start with, it was, a, it was a cagey sort of five minutes or so, and we almost have, I don't know if you've been listening in, but I've been banging on about these short goal kicks and how they almost just slow the tempo down, and it seemed as if we tried that a couple of times, it never came off, and then we started going a bit more direct, going out wide to um, Obita and Miller, who had the beating of the hearts left and right mids every time in the air. And Players like Mariah Welsh and Mark Ondes, those two especially, um, were brilliant. Mariah Welsh was everywhere last night. Yeah. I think he's he's become, I don't know because you've not been on for a while, get your thoughts on guys like Mariah Welsh, Mark Ondes, Malida, like how you feel that they've actually fitted into the team, especially over the last maybe two, three weeks when things have started to click a wee bit more. Ah, they've made a they've made a huge difference. That Mariah Welsh in the middle of the park, he's exactly what we need. Somebody with just proper intensity that just never ever stops running. And I think he was a big part. He's been a big part in our sort of improvement in form, but I think he was a huge part in our performance. You talk about the start of that game and Derby's always start, you know, when the atmosphere's, you know, really electric, they always start quite hectic. But I thought we were on top. I thought we were the better team in the opening. Probably up until we scored the, the goal, the opening goal, I thought we were the better team, and that was because of that intensity and just driving up the pitch and being quite direct and I felt he was a, a huge part of that. On the flip side you've got uh, Marcondes who makes such a difference but in a completely different way. I think Monty mentioned that and I think he was spot on that he brings a real calmness to the pitch and seeing a derby like that that's all over the place that's obviously everyone talks about the fans being you know really on top of you he just never for a second looked phased never looked phased, never looked like he was like it was a, an occasion that was getting to him whatsoever. And I, I think we really needed that. Um so I I think the new signings have been been really good. And I'm so glad that Mariah Welsh is is permanent. Yeah. Emiliano I think is going to be that old cliche never falling in love with a lone player Aye. because I think it'd be very unlikely that we'll be able to keep on beyond the summer. Um, so I think he's one of these ones that we just need to enjoy while we're here, uh, while he's here, sorry. I think his goal 
sort of typified what I just said about how we went a bit more direct. Um, obviously, the ball goes out wide to Miller and he knocks it down. Um, and that that Frankie Kent kind of falls on his arse when it gets to the ball. There's a nice wee flick for Venti as well when the yeah. ball comes to him from Miller. Um, and that Frankie Kent, who I actually thought was probably Hearts, one of the better players last night, and was probably a reason why we didn't win the game. Um, sort of slips and lets Boyle in. Boyle obviously tries to dink it over the keeper. See, and you see when you see the replay for side on, I don't actually think it's going in, even if uh, I think it's Kingsley doesn't clear it. Oh, really? Yeah, it seems to be because you see it for the side on view, it's almost like it would just go out for a goal kick because right. there was no, you know, you get the dinks that have got a bit on them that carry it. Like there was, there wasn't much on it, and obviously it breaks to Mark Ondes, and in that sort of position you want somebody who like you just mentioned is cool calm composed because it would have been would have been very easy for him just to sky it oh. but he was very controlled and and slotted it away and like you said the goals and limbs and that was it's probably not the best i've experienced but i think it's one of the it's always trying to compare what's better equalizing limbs or gonna go ahead limbs yeah and i was think equalizing limbs just have that wee bit of an edge to them, but yeah. still good nonetheless, and especially after the way that we've been going to get a to get a goal head start. Yeah, and I think you're spot on about the the way he finished it. I think that if it'd been somebody else, Yuan, for example, I think they would have just blasted it as hard as it possibly can. And look, sometimes it maybe goes in, but more often than not, that's going over the bar, or he even hits the Hearts player because he's got no aim. Yeah. He's just really composed, just slots it in, and it's a lovely finish after. Like you said, I thought that was a lovely wee flick for Venti, and that's the kind of stuff that he offers. And then Boyle, I mean, I thought that was one of the, the best parts of the game, the way that we penetrated down the sides, like the, the pace that we had constantly down those sides caused them real issues. And if they hadn't had a couple of good defensive performances, then yeah, I think we, we definitely could have scored. There was one in the second half when, I can't mind to, I think it was maybe Yuan, Somebody clipped the ball in and it was a free header. Malida, yeah, um, Malida at the back post. Malida at the back post, yeah, yeah. but that, that was through a wee bit of pace down the sides and it was just that one time we put in a good ball and he's so unlucky not to score it. But, um, bye. I, I prefer, I, I don't know, it was good limbs, it was good limbs, but I just, at Tinkass, all right, I'm a total bag of nerves in the fact that we scored so early. And there was still a good sort of 10, 15 minutes before half time. You just knew what was going to come. They were going to pile on pressure. And I kept saying, we need to make it to half time 1 0. That's why it was it was nervous limbs. Yeah, no, I understand. Even one of the um, one of the guys at me and Liam, no, Callum, he actually caught him in the celebrations and he, he was just standing still. And he put in the group chat that I've been with him after it that he actually didn't celebrate the goal. Because he was feared that it was going to get uh, chopped off for whatever unknown yeah. reason. Yeah. Um, I did. I did think after that, after we went one nil up, we really sort of dropped deep. We dropped a wee bit too deep for my liking, especially like you see. I think we scored what 26, 27 minutes. Yeah. Still twenty minutes or so till half time. And I think the stats at half time showed that I think Hearts had something like 63 or 64% in the ball. And while they had the majority of the ball for the first half, I didn't actually ever feel in any danger for them. Yeah. I didn't feel like there was any, you know, they weren't offering much. I thought maybe Forrest was a bit dangerous for them down their left-hand side um, when he was cutting inside. But there was, again, I thought we'd, I thought we'd majority for the part def- defended really well, especially, mm. I know you're not his biggest fan, but Rocky, I thought Rocky was was excellent last night, especially given he got an yellow, uh, the early yellow for whatever it seemed to be on, on Shankland yeah. that I don't think Clancy even seen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to be fair, I am critical. And to be fair, it's easy to be critical of Rocky. We all know that. We all know his flaws, but at the same time, he's got that type of performance in him. And I thought he was. I thought he was immense yesterday. I thought he was one of the best players for us and made us really, really solid at the back. Um, and he won most of these aerial duels, which I think is one of my biggest criticisms of him, is he can never seem to judge the the sort of path of the ball when it's in the air, and he either 
doesn't make a great connection and it goes somewhere else or he completely misses it and somebody runs on. There was a couple of occasions when he done that, but I think I looked at the stats and he won something like 70% his aerial duels or something, which was good. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I thought he was one of our, our standout performers, so you've got to give credit where it's due. Yeah, that left-hand side of the defence for me, I thought Jordan Obita was outstanding last night, both um, defensively and defensively. He was, I mean, the amount of times he put great, his delivery from open play is ridiculous as well. Yeah. Like he's got, I've noticed, I don't think I've actually seen a Hibs left-back pass the ball, eh, cross the ball like that since David Murphy. Yeah. He was, he was superb, and I think he's going to be key as we go forward as well, making sure we get him tied down, maybe in a longer deal. I do also think we'll probably see the best of Rocky when he's not playing out for the left-hand side. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can clearly see he's not comfortable on his left foot at all. And like you say, when he's he's almost judging it with the headers, it's like he headers it with his eyes shut as well. Yeah. Because they, they can be a bit wayward, but he kept Shanklin relatively quiet for well for 90 minutes because I don't recall Shanklin doing much no nah, nah, last night over him. he was um, even off the one, ball yeah one thing he did do obviously was equalise um, I don't know I don't know where I, I'm going to be honest right? I don't know where I fully stand on it because I must have watched that replay about I don't know at least 100 times because there's like the, the short loop video that just keeps going and the more I see it, the more I can understand why it's been given. However, I still think that it's it's incredibly it's incredibly soft. And one thing I will also say is that folk complain and bitch and moan about VR, right? But that wasn't a VR thing. Like VR actually done what it was supposed to do last night. Whoever was watching it said to Clancy, "Do you want to double check this? Because we are not sure." And Clancy went ahead and stuck with his original decision. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if I'm just because I'm seeing it so much that I'm trying to convince myself that it, it actually was. Because I feel if it's up the other end and that's Boyle, <clears throat> it's a free kick to Hearts and a booking for Boyle. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think the the way that everyone perceives Boyle these days, I, I don't think he's going to get many penalties. But I'm in the camp where I absolutely firmly don't think that's a penalty I actually so in real time I thought the the tackle before I think it was Miller um I think Miller clips one of their boys in the box and I actually I've not seen that back but I thought that was a penalty at the time and then the fish incident again in real time I thought that's a penalty looks like he's maybe got a, a trailing leg after seeing the replays it looks more like fish has gone past them the Hearts player has deliberately then made contact, I think it was Vargas, has deliberately yeah. made contact with Fish's foot and then gone down. What what people keep saying to me is, oh, the rules of the game these days, that's a penalty. If that's the rules of the game these days, then the rules are wrong. Because if you're saying that any, any contact whatsoever in the box is a penalty, then the game's dead. It's a non-contact yeah. sport. There's contact because the Hearts player makes contact with Fish, not because Fish makes contact with, with him. That's yeah. where I stand on it. And I'm just, it just blows my mind if that's a penalty. Like, the how soft that is. The other thing that really irks me, and I get that it's all about contact, it's not about how he's went down. For me, there should be enough in a challenge to bring somebody down. Like, there should be enough to, you know, the way he's gone down, it should be taken into consideration. Is that enough to make him go down the way he's went down to be yeah. as a foul? And the answer to that is absolutely fucking not. There's mm-hmm. no way that he goes down with that. It's a graze at most. Yeah. So it's it seems to just be happening far too often. I know that there's other clubs that get decisions against them. And I don't think there's this mad conspiracy against Hibs, but it just seems to be happening against us far, far too often. I think in the space of four weeks, we've had, what, four pretty contentious decisions. You know, the handball at Aberdeen, which is unbelievable, that's not given. Um, the incident yesterday. As well. 
the Celtic penalty, which I think is a clash of heads, which isn't a penalty. I know a lot of people disagree. The Joe Newell one, look, fair enough, it, that might be a penalty. It was contentious whether it was in or outside the box. But it just seems that these decisions are just not going with us. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what you do about it. I don't know how you sort that. Yeah, I agree. I think... Like I say, I've, wa- I've watched it so many times and every time I watch it, I see something different. Like There's a bit where it almost looks as if Vargas initiates contact towards Fish's hip, at which point Fish reacts to that contact and then he's that's when his foot, uh, his left foot, I think, clips Vargas's right foot. Um, but see, when he clips it, right, the reason yeah, there's... The, 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 the reaction that Vargas does isn't proportionate to what he's right. received, yeah. And if that's, like I said, the Boyle one against Celtic as well, like there's where it's, somebody said to me on Twitter earlier on, they're, they're pretty much setting their stalls about how they're giving penalties this season. And it's like, they're not, because you compare Boyle and Vargas's instant, incidents, yes, they've both went over a bit more theatrically, but Boyle's one, you cannot, whether you want to argue about it or not, there's contact. Exactly. So if, if, if it is like you say, going down the route of any contact as a penalty, then we can't really complain about that one last night. If that's the look, if that's within the laws of the game now, but then by the same token, why did we not get the one for Boyle against Celtic? It's I agree with you completely. We are through certain referees, and I think Clancy in particular, we are refereed to a different standard, and it's never been the same since Paul McGinn called them out at Hamden yeah. after their League Cup final against Celtic. I mean, Clancy's one goes back. He sent off McGinn in the championship. It got descended. Um, he missed a blatant stamp on Porteous by Morelos at Easter Road in the COVID season. There was. I watched a clip against Celtic. Um, where we have been. The, the, the Celtic break and score from us breaking with the ball. That's Aye, he, Hecky went absolutely mental at that game and got sent, got to sent the off. Aye, and he, yeah. pull, he pulls it back after maybe 10 seconds of the Celtic play going down and then gives a foul. Yeah. And uh, that that's just a bizarre one. But see the thing about fish as well. The only reason there's contact is because when he runs past, your natural movement when you're running past is you've obviously got a trailing foot, right? And that he so as he he's not even looking at the boy, he's ran past him. One of the foots, one one of his feet is slightly behind him, and that's what the boy runs into. Yeah, do you know what I mean? That that's what he makes contact with. It's just there's no intent there. It's just. It's just a for me, it's a horrendous, horrendous decision. And the fact that he's been had the opportunity for me, that's an ego problem. He's had an opportunity to go to the screen and have a look at that, and he's thought, you know what, I'm sticking. How many times has that happened this season? I would say probably twice, including yeah, the one many. yesterday. I think, I think Willie Collum had one recently, um, where it was a red card. I thought, what to say, like Motherwell or something, where he stuck to it. Um, and then I think that ended up actually getting rescinded on appeal. I could be talking absolute shite. But yeah, you think it. you think when the whether it's for or against, um, when the ref goes over to have a look, you, you just immediately assume, oh, if you know if if they don't blow for a penalty and the ref goes to the monitor, it's mm-hmm. going to be a penalty. And then, then by the same token, if a penalty is given and they go to the monitor, they're going to not um, think it. I suppose fair fox to him for sticking by his original decision if he's. Do you know what I mean? The the thing about VR is that we've been talked about games getting re-refereed and re-refereed and this, that and the next thing. The VR have obviously seen something that Clancy, they didn't think Clancy did. They've given him the chance to have a look at it again. Again, I don't know. I know I said I can see what he's, I can, I can, like I say, I can understand why, but it doesn't mean that I obviously agree with that and I think it's a penalty. Um Right, and then obviously the the time it takes to get to the penalty, and obviously the so the AGM on Tuesday night, somebody's asked about the behaviour of Celtic and Rangers fans when they come to Easter Road and what we're going to do about that. I don't think there's anything that you can say other than what happened before Shanklin took his penalty and after Shanklin took his penalty was uh, nothing short of uh, a disgrace and. Being honest, and I don't care if people want to say, "I," but Hearts fans were doing it too. Get your own house in order first, especially when yeah. you've got fans complaining the night before about the behaviour of away supporters. I think our the behaviour at Tynecastle recently has become 
pretty poor from a small minority of people. Even to the point where now you've got the disabled fans who can't see because folk just stand in the Aye. stand in the walkway, um, throwing objects. Nah, it's it's not for me, I'm afraid. And <clears throat> I think regardless of what people think about Shankland, anybody that plays for Hearts or whatever club it is, ultimately they're at their place of work. When Hibs and Hearts were playing last night, they were working. And I defy anybody that was at the game wants somebody coming to their work, lobbing vapes and fucking what was it? They're like a corkscrew or something. Bottle, bottle opener, right? Yeah, a bottle opener. It's just it's, it's for me, I'm I'm sure you'll agree, Mark, but it's just completely not on. Nah, I don't think so either. And I think there's a big difference as well, because you, you often see, you know, you'll maybe see the occasional cup of juice getting thrown or a pie or something like that. See, for me that's that that's still unacceptable, but it's almost, you know, it's not dangerous. So I'm not saying it's acceptable, but it's not dangerous. So it's almost like, right, that's the, the absolute line there. But see, when you start throwing things like coins, vapes, bottle openers, like that's genuinely dangerous. Like, see, and the thing that I think what they don't realise is there's cameras everywhere these days. So if you launch a coin, right, that hits Shanklid in the eye and causes a serious, serious injury, or it, it cuts him open and needs stitches, you're going to get charged for for that. Do you know what I mean? You're you're going to yep. get arrested and charged for it, and you're putting somebody's health on the line just because of the the shirt that they're wearing. Yeah, it's like listen, I get it. There's banter. He's celebrating in front of the fans. If he played for us and he was doing it to Hearts fans, we'd fucking adore him. So going to the level of chucking big chunky vapes and bottle openers and coins for me, that's just a, like far too far. It, it, there's just no, absolutely no need for it. And um, look, I'm sure there's a lot of young lads that that are, uh, and I'm I'm not, you know, calling anyone out, but I'm sure there's a lot of lads that, that maybe are watching that that agree with it or like, oh, do you know what, get it up on stuff like that. I just think, you know, I don't know. It's maybe just need to grow up a bit. Yeah, I think what you'll find is that this now gives Hearts ammunition to go. Do you know what? We're not going to give you the lower section anymore because you can't behave yourselves. Or <laughs> yeah, are they going to start putting nets up? Or do you know what I mean? It's just like you say that he did actually get. We got a corner in the second half as well, and he did get hit with one, like one I actually did see it. on I the side it. of the head, and he could have actually. He, he kind of half went down, holding his head, and Clancy came over to him almost to say, "Kind of, you didn't checked," and it's like he would not sound. It sound. It's fine. It's fine. Right. He could have made a massive meal of that. He's not. He's even put something on uh, Instagram the day. Because I did like I, I, to be fair, when he caught the pine, chewed a bit of that and chucked it <laughs> back. Like that was a bit, um, that was a bit funny. But I know we don't. I don't think there's any need for it. And Look. what I would like to say as well is that I know it would be very easy to go for block seven on this, but from where I was sitting higher up, these projectiles were coming for everywhere. No, so it's I'm... not as if they were contained in that one area. We are the block seven boys were it was coming i seen stuff getting chucked for the the upper tier where i was yeah so and look i think you know what I, mean? it's very, I just want to make it clear it's very easy just to go right away oh it's them because of our perceived reputation they might have but i just wanted to obviously make it clear that from where i was it was coming from other areas of the stand rather than where block seven were sitting and to be fair to them they are really keen on upholding a relationship with the club so I, you know, I even seen when there was that, I don't know if you've seen that pitch invader, he was wearing like a dodgy suit. Yeah. And um, when he was going past, you know, th there was a couple of the Block 7 lads basically fucking telling him off because I think they're really, and not that he was a part of Block 7, but I think they're really keen to make sure that we do have a good reputation so that things like allocation yeah. cuts and all that and so that they can maintain that close relationship they've got with the club for things like safe standing, for, um, for anything else going on. So I think if it was, if there was anyone, I think they would get a right telling off or maybe just chucked out of the group altogether. So yeah. um, I didn't see where it come from, but yeah, I, I, I would imagine that not much, if any, came from them. Yeah, because it's, again, it's, it, would be, it would be very easy just to blame them immediately because of some things that have maybe happened in the past, but I just, it did come from other areas of the stand, like say in the upper, upper tier. There's no, there's a fucking walkway that separates it. It's not tiered at all. Yeah, it's um, just you know it's 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 just not great. It's not great. Um, it's not great to see because I get it. Like you get rowdy 
in, at Tynecastle, especially under the lights. You've had a bevy, you know, people, the emotions do run high, but, you know, there's not one moment where I thought, you know what, I'm going to pick up a pick up a pin coin from my, or a, a set of AirPods yeah, and chuck it on mad. the pitch. That boy must be caked if he's chucking I mean, a set of AirPods. Checks, he's found my iPhone and his AirPods are just sitting in the, on the penalty spot. I think that's <laughs> But I um, just um, just mental. It's no good, and it, and the thing is, it's it's difficult to stop because when you get when you get that many people together, all drinking, all very rowdy, you do get that mob mentality where some people just go that bit too far, and it happens. And I don't want to kind of make that point, or it's not just us, but it yeah. does happen, and it is probably going to be really difficult to to try and control that. It's just one of the things where you've just got to kind of. Condone it. Yeah, no, I agree. I um, don't condone it. I do, yeah, don't condone it, of course. I think that it's easy. The thing is, as well, is that I don't think that the police actually help matters. Given the way that we were shepherded into the ground, I, it was terrible. It really is. The the way that they had it set up, so they had it spread the width of McLeod Street before you got to the the set of flats, and then they had the wall of police officers up the left hand side, and then they they funneled it into a set of barriers, before funneling into another set of barriers. But they also had see before that, right? They they did go away eventually, but before they had two horses, face to face. Yeah, well, and remember so, they done that last game of last aye, season. So you would get the you would get they would open up they would let maybe 20 people through, they would mm-hmm. close again. So there was almost about three like layers to get through. You had to do that, then it funneled into the, the barriers, then you got another set of barriers, and then you've got the turnstiles. Yeah. It's like, it's just, I, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. The way they, and, and in fact, it's dangerous because there was people like all around me that were actually quite scared because you were actually moving with the crowd. Yeah. You were just getting carried away with the crowd and it, it, it is dangerous if it was a kid or maybe somebody that's a bit smaller. Like, it's, if you fall over, then yeah, somebody's going to get hurt. Aye. Yeah, because that's what happened eventually when we got in. I was still outside at about, I think, just before 25 to 8. Um, and the steward went, right, the guy with the megaphone was like, right, we're going to let you through in a second. As soon as the steward moved out of the way, people for the back Aye. just launched forward. And that was like, like I ended up, it was almost getting carried by the the force that was coming behind me. Um, and we, obviously, we we went to the last game of last season sort of together. And when we got to the ground, obviously, I had the, the two boys with me. And that was that was scary for me as a parent. To have the kids, I mean, it was probably better because it's in the summer. Like last night, it's pitch black. Aye, no. There's no street. There's no street lights. The ground's absolutely caked in horse shit, so people are slipping that everywhere as well. Aye. Um, no, I was I was looking out for a couple of because I was um <clears throat> quite a big guy, so there was you know there was people around me. There was a kid in front of me that I was just making sure that he didn't get. And there was a couple of um couple of lassies behind me as well that was kind of just like just make sure you didn't fall over. Like, Aye. if you fall over, just grab a hold of my jumper or something so that you can get carried away along. But, no, nah, it's no good. And all, but the thing is, right, these things never change until somebody gets hurt, which yep. is the shit thing. And the police, the, the way that they manage it is just absolute. Like, there is no need to put so many layers to get in. And the thing they do with the horses is ridiculous. Like, you're just adding. And like you say, all that happens is as soon as they move, it, there's just a crush whereas if it's a yeah. flow of traffic then it'll be easier it's or you set you set the barricade up further back aye so aye. you can then manage it as people are coming in you don't do it fucking 50 yards for the turnstiles right where there's going to be a control there's going to be three and a half thousand people within the space of an hour going through that going through that area um but i, I think we need to it's not this isn't just a hearts issue we've seen clips and whatever for fans try to get in Easter Road. Apparently it's horrendous. Apparently it's as well. It's, and the thing is, when was, obviously it's not the police's fault, but I'm fucking going rage at the time thinking, can what the fuck's, like, I'm going to get, can there's people behind getting crushed? If they push forward and I didn't move, I'm absolutely fucked here. Um, 
and they're like, it's not our decision, it's Hearts' decision. Right. But then how can it be Hearts' decision? Hearts don't, Hearts aren't in control of crowd management outside the ground. It's, it's G4S and that, isn't it? Yeah, and it's the police as well. And we've seen it six turnstiles. I mean, you, you'll remember before the, the new stand got built at Tynecastle, the old main stand, um, with the turnstiles that were there. Right. There was about 16, 16 turnstiles you could go through. Right. So it was fine. I never seen, there's never been any issues until they built this new stand. Uh, and change the way that you actually get in by it's no it's no good enough and like you say i mean there was there was clips going about a celtic fan getting something done to him at motherwell as well like four police round him and knees on his neck and all that like it's somebody is going to get seriously hurt one day and i am we're treated we are treated like animals by the police to yeah. be honest because it's that thing it's it's football and you know it's that it's that stigma that all football fans are just thugs and all that and the police they must get told from the seniors that like you have to be really hard on them. But see, if there was a good relationship there, then it would yeah. make things a hell of a lot easier. No, you're right. And it's just it's like you say, it's never going to get any anything. It's never going to get any better until somebody gets hurt. So we'd probably rather take it the way that it is than for it to change just because right. somebody's actually managed to get seriously injured. Um, talking to the AGM, what we'll do is we'll know. I know, obviously, we had the Black Knight stuff. But because it's only two of us, it's there's not really much for us to go on between just the two. We'll wait until we've got a bigger a bigger gathering. Hopefully, we can get five for Monday, and we can proper go through the the Black Knight stuff and see what everybody's thoughts are where it'll end up. Um, second half of the game for me, Mark, was just a one one way flow at times. Um, although I will say I do think that the subs that we made actually made us weaker when yeah. they were made. Um, I thought you can tell that. Mariah Welsh was gubbed, like he yeah. was knackered and he got a knock. Um, Venti was very, very rarely last beyond 60, 65 minutes anyway. Um, but he'd knocked him, knocked his pan in. Um, and Emiliano, to me, looked like he was injured. So yeah. it was no surprise they went off. But I did think that Levitt was poor when he came on. Ellie was, Ellie just came on for a kick about, like clearly, like he wasn't even really <laughs> interested in, in doing much bar. The ball that he clipped in for Melida that he headed wide. Um and then Triantis for Emiliano was just a head scratcher. But I could yeah. you can you can understand why, because they were starting to get a wee bit more joy down the left hand side, so it did provide a bit more uh, defensive solidity. Uh, but aye. I think subs, yeah. subs for me subs for me made us weaker. Yeah, I agree. And I think I mean you know that the sub is quite poor when the home fans are visibly delighted about it. And when Emiliano got taken off, you could see that Hearts fans were happy with it yeah. because I think he was causing them all sorts. I think he was one of the standout players. He was causing them all sorts of problems just behind, just in between the midfield and the striker. And it, to be honest, I think he looked really tired for even the, just the way he was moving. He looked really tired, which is fair. You know, he's he's only just back to to playing consistently and he might have had a knock but he looked like to me that he didn't want to come off you know he was yeah, saying he was... was almost pointing like is it me coming off and he was almost looked a bit pissed off yeah. so I know all footballers are like that or all decent footballers are like that but I don't know if he wanted to stay on and he felt like he could keep going then for me just keep leave him out there um because I he was grabbing it he's I did notice at a point where he went to take a corner he was rubbing it like he's his groin or whatever his hip flexor or that is, and he was kind of limping a bit. So I don't know if that's been a factor in taking him off, but I certainly we didn't look anywhere near as potent going forward after he went off in particular. Yeah, and I think yeah the sub. I, I think Levitt. I'm kind of growing tired. Of him to be honest, you always get you give a player a bit of a grace period a few months. You know yeah. when they, they're a new signing before you start being critical, but. He just doesn't offer and see against Celtic. I don't know if I've been on since that game where we got beat two one at home. For me, he was the worst player in the park by a country mile. And then yeah. he scores a goal that kind of digs him out a little bit. See if he hadn't scored that goal, I think he would have really, really been called out. Mm-hmm. But he obviously gets the goal, which obviously puts his performance in a much better light. But he gives the ball away far too often. He doesn't work hard enough. He's no. He doesn't offer enough in such an important part of the field. And you look at the difference between him and Mariah Welsh. Like, the amount of running that 
the, the difference in the amount of running, the physicality, like just everything is different. He looks yeah, like a wee lad no, out there, to be honest. Yeah, there, it looks like there's he'd rather be anywhere else but out in the park. Whether that's a confidence issue, because I think we can both agree that he's got ability. Like he's not a poor player, but he's having a very poor spell um, at the minute. And I think what you say about Mariah Welsh, and especially Marcondes as well, for me, is that they're actually starting to now really bring out the consistent best of Joe Newell. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought without being sort of all action last night, Joe had a really good game. Um, yeah. He was. He can be one of the ones that can be quite. I think he gave the ball away once, and it was it was a, it led to them breaking three v two. Um, I think Rocky managed to get back and cover it. But that midfield three is working really well. And when you look at the running fixtures that we've got coming up, we've got a couple against Ross County, we've got Livingston, St Johnston, Motherwell, all I think all teams six the next we've got six games before the split. One's away to Ibrox and the rest are against teams below us in the league. Mm-hmm. This midfield starting to fire on all cylinders is key for us, I think, if we're gonna not only push for the top six, but I reckon even though we're still nine points behind them, we could make a real push for top four. I, I would hope so. I would hope so. And I do I do genuinely think that we are good enough. Now, I wouldn't have probably said this a couple of months ago, but I think now that, you know, Monty, and I'll give him loads of credit, you know, the shape that he was using before wasn't working. Yeah. He's, he's noticed that. He's changed it. He's brought in some really, really good players and he's moved to that. It's almost like a 4-3-3, but almost kind of like a 4-2-3-1 as well at times. It's weird. Um, it kind of dovetails between, I think it's almost like a 4-3-3 with a sitter. So what do you want to call it? A 4-3-3 with a 6 and 2 eights. Yeah. And it then can very quickly transition to two eights and a 10, kind of. Yes. And it looks um, like we've just got a lot more about us in midfield. And I think you're right. I think Mariah Welsh is bringing out the best on Joe Newell. I think he's always been missing that real quality partner in that in that midfield. And yeah. I think Joe Newell's at his absolute best when he's just simple, when he's doing the simple thing. You know, he's winning the ball, he drives up for maybe 10 yards and he plays it out to the, the guys in front of him. I yeah. think that's when he's like, see your, his performance against Lucerne, for example, I know he obviously scored a brilliant goal, but the away performance, he was just doing the simple thing for the whole game, and it was probably one of his best performances in a hip shot. So I've always rated Joe Newell. I've always liked Joe Newell, and I think I just think he's, whilst he's been at Hibs, he's always been that type of player that will maybe have a brilliant game and then go five poor games. Now yeah. we're starting, this season certainly, he's, he's been a bit more consistent. Yeah, no, I agree. So it's not very often that we come back from Tynecastle disappointed performance-wise, only with a point. But there's definitely building blocks there for us to move forward with. Um, and we're—I know we've not won, but we're three games unbeaten there, which hasn't happened for a while. I can't imagine. But we need to start turning those, turning those ones into threes. Aye, especially against them. About. Hopefully, hopefully we'll. I, I, I firmly believe we'll we'll comfortably make the top six. And so we should have another game against them before the end of the season, and it'll be Easter Road. So, um, I believe you've got a pie review for do, us Mark. before we move on to questions and wrap up. I don't actually have it written down or the categories, but so price, trust, fill-in, temperature, uniqueness. Price, I'll give it a three. It was like a bog standard, so a three pound fifty. What did you get? The kebab pie? A steak pie. There was steak no kebab pie. pies. Yeah, I got a steak um, pie as well. Uniqueness, I'm going to give it a one. First of all, because it was a steak pie, which is obviously just the, the standard pie, they didn't have their kebab pies. Um, but also because even the pie itself was just the most generic steak pie you've ever had. Like it was just one of them that it, it just, there was no thrills, no nothing. It was just average. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a one. Filling, I'll give it a four. It was quite a quite a lot of filling, quite a lot of gravy in it. So it was actually it was actually pretty good. Crust. Um is the crust still a thing? Yeah, crust still a thing. Um crust, I'll give that a three. It was alright. And then temperature, I'm gonna give it a perfect five. Yeah. Because that's... it wasn't 
roasting and it wasn't cold and I, I always say that a pie needs to be just warm enough so that I can absolutely wolf it down within about three seconds and that's exactly what I did. No, so, I think temperature-wise, Tin Castle pies will always get a five for me because they've, they're have they at that constant hot, but not too hot, but hot enough. That, like you say, you can just take a bite and you're not doing that thing. Yeah. You take your first chunk. Uh, first chomp, sorry, not your first chunk. Um, I think I'd done a pie review for the game before. Uh, the 2-2 game. So I can't I remember what happened that. I probably did do a pie review, I can't even remember. But it's a 16 from me, anyway. That's not too bad. It's not too bad at all. It, it, yeah, it was very standard. But do you know what? Sometimes you want something that just scran. You don't want any thrills. But I've, I still have yet to try the kebab pie. Yet yeah, to me try. too. They, they didn't have any left by the time I got in. Um... I think Sean said he had a pair of you, but he's not sent it to us, so he can save it for next week. Um, right, we'll wrap up with questions, just a couple tonight. Now it's time to answer the Hibs Ramble listener questions. Uh, obviously, first one comes for John uh, Dinner, and he said that kebab pie, by the way, heart face emoji, heart eyes emoji. Mm. So I will need to try it one day. Do you know what? Yeah. Uh, do you know what? I probably shouldn't even say this on the podcast, but I am going to Tynecastle on Sunday. Um, I'm in hospitality again with my granddad. Just so everyone doesn't fucking judge me, all right? My granddad is 88 years old, is a Hearts fan, and I'm taking up my hospitality to give him a day out. So before you judge me, fuck off. Um, <laughs> so I'm going. To, I'm going. Only, to... God can, only God can judge me. Copyright Gary O'Connor. <laughs> um, I'm going to Tincastle on Sunday at a hospitality and I am going to get a kebab pie. It is my mission to get a kebab pie. But does it count if it's not eaten at a Hibs game? Oh, no, I'm not going to do a pie review. It's just to try it. It's oh, just, just to, to try it. Just to try it, yeah. Uh, and what are you having for your dinner? Well, it's a special one tonight, I have to say. So we are having meatballs with mashed potato with cheese in it and chive and what else was it i think it was chorizo as well it's a it's a banger dinner emily's actually making it as we speak but she's been wanting to make it for a while but it sounds sounds pretty damn good yeah that's far too cultured for this podcast like i'm not gonna lie especially sinking that nice glass of red that'll activate the palate before your dinner comes oh yes uh, I had just pe- pepperoni pizza. Very simple, very basic, just like me. Yeah, usually I like a Brexit dinner, but for some reason tonight on this fine Thursday, I'm getting a special tea. Yeah, that's that's uh, what what would you class that category-wise? That's like a summer Euro trip type of dinner. Yeah, I don't know. I think Emily maybe seen it on Hello 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 Fresh. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> she maybe seen it on Hello Fresh or something. I don't know. Um, Keith says, pleased with the dominating performance against the Hearts side, high on form, unbelievable defending, denied us a winner, contentious officiating where the rest will once again not be held to account. Doesn't Shanklin scrunning the pie remind you a bit of Wayne Shaw? Oh, is that the goal, big fat goalkeeper? Oh, the Sutton guy. Aye, mind you put a bet on yeah. there, eat a pie. <laughs> Aye. Uh, that was, um, like I said, that was quite in amongst all the chaos. Uh, the stuff getting chucked it was actually quite funny to see him take a bit of pie and yeah i did have a, like an absolutely perfect view and do you know what that people aren't speaking about enough is the catch like yeah. it is a perfect catch <laughs> Pet, like everything was so in sync he's caught it perfectly taking a wee bite he did i'm going to take away some points because he spat out he didn't yeah. swallow it um which for me is a shite bag behavior Imagine somebody laced it with a razor blade or something before they chucked it. <laughs> that would be terrible. I know. Um, right, uh, Billy is asking, thoughts on folk playing Sunshine on Leith before the game? For me, it's a bloody curse to play it before. should be safer after a big result. So I'm assuming he means it like, I don't know, like the Murrayfield or the Rosebarn or kind of if we go to hand in yeah. before it and the place that you're in plays it. Yeah. Um, I tend to agree with them. Yeah, I hate, I hate hearing Sunshine and Leaf. And le- the only time I ever listened to Sunshine and Leaf, full stop, 
is after a big win. Yeah. Even to get me in the mood for a Hibs game, like never, ever, ever do I listen to Sunshine on Leaf. Yeah, no, I'm the same. I'm, I totally agree. Uh, Kev Wilson says, fairly pleased with the performance, although it feels like two points dropped. Mariah Welsh is becoming a key player in this team, and Marcondes is box office. Subs again were questionable, though. We could have done with a change up top. Yeah, I, I felt like my end or Lafondre probably could have been an option to come on. Once he makes the try and his sub, though, we're fucked because he's done the three changes within the three breaks. Yeah, rather than doing five. Yeah, could have. Maybe because Boyle was looking a bit tired, maybe my ender for the last seven, eight minutes for a bit of pace on the left could have done something. What about that lad in midfield, the young boy? Um, He's been playing a few subs. I can't even mind his name. He's had a few substitute appearances recently. He's quite good. Um, I can't even mind if he was in the squad. But he's waiting now. Oh, look, uh, Amos. Look, Amos. 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 Yeah, Amos. yeah. He wasn't. Don't know why he wasn't in the squad. Maybe. Oh, right. Not. Maybe I don't know. Of course not. Yeah, because he would have been the ideal replacement. To be fair, for for Marcondes, because he's actually looked looked like he's coming into a bit as well. Um, Jack says uh, VR shambles aside, Rocky has done well in his first couple of games back, which I think we agree on. He's done last night. He was brilliant. Him and Jordan Obita. Jordan Obita for me was man of the match, but. <clears throat> Rocky had a great game. Uh, should him and Fish be the centre-back pairing going forward or do we mix it up with Triantis? I would rather not see Triantis play at centre-half for Hibs ever again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's not so, great. From what I've yeah. seen anyway, he's not great. So yeah, I would stick with Rocky and Fish. If I anything, the, the... I would actually go with Rocky and Hanlon, if I'm being brutally honest, because I think Fish has been, Fish has been poor. Um, I know he had done. Because I think when you look back to the penalty as well, it comes from him taking a shite touch, and then he pulls out of playing the ball as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know. Rocky and Hanlon kind of gives me nightmares, like. But um, <laughs> I, I think just going back to that Rocky point, I think he absolutely right has made a big difference. I also think with the with Afcon finishing in that Asia Cup finishing. You know, having um, Boyle, Miller, and Rocky back is so massive because we had so many issues yeah. when Miller was away. We obviously we recalled Megwa. We had the young lad Whitaker playing, and we were just getting picked apart down that side. So it's nice to have a bit of consistency out wide in defence will beat our and and Miller. And I think the main thing is having that consistent centre half pairing. So see if Monty is going to do it, then just do it. Just yeah. play Rocky and Fish unless they're not fit. Because mm-hmm. that's what a good a good defence is all about, that good partnership. If we're bringing out Rocky and bringing him trying it's all of that kind of stuff, it'll 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 not be good. Yeah, no, I agree. Um Nick Rutherford says why always us? I do think I think I missed it on your point earlier. That you know when they say all oh, these refereeing decisions even themselves out or oh, these contentious refereeing decisions, Aye. the contentious ones never go for Hibs. No, no, never. It's mental. It's really is mental. Like they never go for us. See, since VAR's been introduced, I can only count on one hand the amount of times that a decision that's been contentious has actually went in our favour. Like it, it's, and then I can name loads that have, went against, that have yeah. went against us. You know, I'm thinking about things like the semi final with Martin Boyle, even Dylan Venti being offside. I know it's different because you say, well, offside's black and white, but these, you know what I mean? The Venti one, like, just doesn't he look up? Like, things like that. It's it just seem, you, mean, you mean in the goal against Dundee? A goal against goal Dundee against and Dundee. also yeah. Martin Boyle in the semi. It's yeah. like, you know, these ones are, like, so unbelievably close that the technology that we've got in Scotland doesn't actually allow you to properly see if it's offside. That, they lines that were drawn, it was like he was doing it on fucking Microsoft Paint. Mm. It looked absolutely shite. Yeah. And how can you get a good decision off that? It just... Yeah, you've got the, dev- the Devlin handball at Pataudry, the Duke penalty at Pataudry that took however yeah. long to get. The one as well, the Clancy one at Tynecastle when Rocky handballed it on the line um, after Sibic was offside but scored. So he was offside yeah. but they pulled it back because it was handball. 
but then Rocky only done what he done because the Civic Cube was offside. And the, remember that took about seven, eight minutes to get to nice. a decision. Um, so I, they need to start even them up pretty soon because it's definitely not happening. Um, Haley's asked, is it worth renaming Hibs TV Porn Hibs since we get fucked every week? <laughs> um, don't think the SFA would, or SPFL would allow that. Uh, Alan Macaloni says, uh, surely it's time to put refs in front of the media to explain their awful decision each week that are being made. I don't, I don't understand what value that gets. A referee's not going to come out after a game and go, yeah, I should have gave a penalty to Hibs. To, uh, I should not have given that penalty to yeah. Hibs. Yeah. Because he's been given the chance to go to VAR, look at it, he's stuck with his decision, and you need to say to him, do you know what, if he's sticking with it, he's sticking with it. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Hibs get another apology, as Montgomery said. Um, I don't know why. And, I think they'll come out and they'll double down and say, well, actually, because there was contact and in the rules yeah. of the game. But do you know what the difference is? See, all the referees and all these guys in suits and ties at the SFA, they've never kicked a ball in their life. And yeah. they go just by a, a document like that has these rules in black and white, but they've, no, they've not got a clue. how. And if, like I said, if that's a penalty by the rules of the game, then the rules are wrong. Simple as yeah. that. And uh, we'll leave the last word to Harvey Scott, who says Clancy's firstborn is getting nicked. Fair enough, lad. Did he tweet yeah. that last night? By any chance? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, but what we won't do is we won't condone kidnapping referees' <laughs> children. Um, yeah, that was sent at twenty past ten last night. While emotions, I'm assuming, were running high. <laughs> maybe, maybe some alcoholic beverages thrown in the mix as well. Yeah. So we'll we'll wrap up there, Mark. Um, we'll be back Monday to talk about the Ross County game, and like I say, we'll go into a bit more in depth about the the Black Knight investment, Bill Foley, and all of that, and what it means for the club going forward. But once again, thanks for listening. If you don't already follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, yara 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 at the Hibs Ramble, Apple and Spotify podcast players to get the episodes as and when they're live. Enjoy your meatballs, cheesy mashed tatties, chives and chorizo. And we will see you all next week. Adios. Let's get ready to rumble.